I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcasts is supported by Twin Motion and by Section Cut from our friends at Monograph. You'll hear more about them later on in the episode. Hello! My name is Demetrius. Jason is out today sick, but you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for joining me, everyone. Uh, Today we have a guest. His name is Tatsuya Nakagawa, but we call him Tats, so uh, so you'll hear me call him Tats. Uh, And he is the CEO from Cast Agra. Please help me welcome Tatsuya Nakagawa. Tats, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for uh, the invitation. Glad to have you on and uh, excited to dig in and talk about Castagra. And uh, you guys are a uh, leading roof coatings manufacturer. So tell me a little bit about Castagra and, and what you do there. Yeah, I know. I, you know, when I tell people that we do roof coatings, you know, just you can you can see the wheels turning in people's head. How did we end up here? Yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, I think um, I think the main thing is we, we ended up here by accident. You know, it was a nice accident. My uh, business partner is an inventor type. He I you know I, I mentored under him. And he invented the Windows Media Player. He sold it to Bill Gates. He worked on some early 3D printing technology. He also worked on some technology that later sort of helped inspire or, or got cited in MRI patents. So he knew how to create things. 
But, you know, he developed this molding product because back in the day, uh, there was a lot of buildings uh, in higher end uh, sort of construction that had curved walls. And there would be uh, this problem that the, uh, the carpenters had in doing the baseboards uh, because doing these curved walls, there was, uh, you know, they would have to cut up the baseboards into Lego sized pieces and <laughs> assemble them. Uh, so, you know, Peter had a, you know, sort of acquaintance of his that just bugged him because he knew he was an inventor. You have to develop something. And ultimately he did develop something and sold that to a fortune 500 company. But in the, in the process, he developed the coding um, that's been applicable to so many applications. And, uh, you know, here we are all these uh, years later, uh, we decided to commercialize it, you know, 10 plus years ago. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really taken off in the roofing industry. So when you talk about the roof coating, what exactly does that mean for some of our listeners that may not understand what roof coatings are? Absolutely. So for flat roofs, when they need uh, repair or roofing life extension, there's a couple of different options you have. I mean, you can tear off the roof, which is very expensive and, and quite an environmental burden, or you can do things to repair it or extend it. And coating over the existing substrate is one very good cost-effective option that has become more and more seen as a strong alternative to tearing off and uh, replacing. And this is primarily probably, although we're shifting sort of how we design homes, uh, this probably occurs mostly in a commercial setting. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the larger, um, you know, the commercial buildings, the the roofs are flatter. They're easier to get going. Um, definitely, the flat roofs are more common in warmer climates. But you know, when you have those flat roofs in climates that it rains a lot, definitely causes a lot of issues. So you see them more predominantly in the the warmer climates. Yeah. Now, is this a, a liquid applied roofing or a? Uh... Uh, membrane. Yeah, it's a it's a liquid applied, and what makes us different is you know we're plant based, and you know we have all those amazing benefits of being sustainable. But performance wise, the adhesion is very high, and that's by fluke. I mean, if if you look at all the attributes which it makes it a great roofing product, you know we would love to to say uh, think that you know we we had it from the beginning, and this is how it designed. <laughs> But essentially, we just fell into it. And, you know, originally, we were we were servicing different markets, but we just kept, you know, getting people that could come out and say, hey, you need to come into this industry, uh, because there isn't a solution. And we came in a little reluctant, but we were happy. Uh, we we're uh, sort of delighted that the roofing industry, and the construction industry as a whole, because we were in water and wastewater and these other industries was so, so wonderful and, and welcoming. Yeah. What tends to be sort of the complexities when you're dealing with a roof coating system, whether it's application or coordination or what tends to be so more of the more difficult parts of, of what you do? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of variety of how roofs are done, you know, and I think being able to assess and ensure that what you're doing is going to work is key. And part of that is to make sure you test it. When someone says, hey, does your product work for this type of roof? I said, well, yeah, we think so. 
We think so. Everything <laughs> is told us, but I think what the key thing that everyone has to realize is you still want to do adhesion tests and you want to just do a patch because the thing is there could be invisible things that you do not see or no uh, equipment can pick up that could be problematic. It's just to do your due diligence in that. I think too many people make sweeping assumptions that you know, a manufacturer claims something and then it'll work for every situation in this category. As you know, when you're trying to finish a project out in the field, there's a lot of variables. So I think never to underestimate that, even if it's like, hey, open a bucket, you mix it, you pour it out, it's simple. Well, just make sure that your assumptions are correct and that it will stick. It's a really simple test. It's really fast for us, but just to not skip that and just verify that. And uh, I think that's the key. I mean, we, we're always big on side-by-side -side tests because when you read the brochures of manufacturers, I mean, everyone's product is awesome. It's awesome. It's it's revolutionary. But for us, it's yeah. like, hey, do the side-by-side -side test, right? If, if adhesion, you know, for this project, what is the most important thing? Do the test, right? Make sure that it works. I think it's a, it's a simple thing, but I think just don't skip that. And, and sort of hold material manufacturers or your partners accountable to certain things. And I think they'll you know, have a, a lot more success. Yeah, for the side-by-side -side test, is that basically replicating that condition in your factory and then doing the uh, adhesion yeah, test? Yes, so on a, on a roof, you can just, you know, you can do, you know, if it's you're comparing coatings, you can you can put one coating down, another coating uh, down, and you can do a pull test to see which one sticks and which one doesn't stick. Gotcha. There's a pass-fail thing that you can do. Not everyone goes through that step, but I think those are the things that'll tell you that it's going to work. Like maybe under ideal conditions in the factory, it'll work, but in the field, there's all sorts of things that, can't be factored in. I mean, that's what makes it difficult. I mean, for us, we want, you know, successful projects because it's it's weird when you're a liquid apply manufacturer, half of the manufacturing, quote unquote, is done in the factory. Half of the manufacturing is down in the field, right? So, you know, it it's great in a bucket, but if it doesn't get installed properly, then, you know, everyone is upset and everyone gets blamed throughout the chain. And I think for us, the thing that matters is the successful project. So whatever we can do from our end to help, that's important. So our job isn't done when it's shipped out of the factory. We try to we try our best to work with the best contractors, have the best training, you know, communicate, communicate, communicate. I mean, it's just an ongoing process. I mean, it's never perfect, but it's uh, you know, we just love the opportunity when someone can take a project that they think is shot. They think no. In, in, People say that it's not possible, like it's structurally good, but it's not possible. And I say, hey, we may be able to help and to be able to come in and then solve it is an amazing feeling because you save that, uh, you know, client uh, a lot of money. And because of the coding actually helps the contractor makes more money. That's excitement. I, I think one of the things I've learned, because I, I used to have a marketing company that launched new innovations and new products is the word that I always look at is alignment, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, within your organization, within the market, you're all, you're constantly trying to get better alignment, right? Because everything is shifting. Customer needs are shifting, right? Even within your company, you know, people came in wanting certain things out of an organization, but their needs change. Different policies or education, uh, you know, you have personally changes as well. So you're always trying to create better and better alignment 
with uh, with the marketplace, with the customers, with the changing requirements. I mean, what, one of the things that the expectations of the customer on delivering fast service is going up. Like, and the benchmark <laughs> yeah. is like you know Amazon and like the the retail side, right? Like, your shipping yep. just gets faster and faster. So everyone thinks that. Uh, rightfully so, that it should apply to every area of your business. So it's like, Demetrius, yeah. hey, I need some drawings and, and I got 10 minutes, right? And, yeah. and some of that's like <laughs> expectation management. But uh, yeah. but another thing is, hey, that's the reality of it. How do we how do we use the technology that's available to us? How do we use this great information that's delivered through podcasts and on the internet? And how do we pull that in to deliver on the next standard, right? So I don't know, those, those are things that makes, makes things fun and exciting. We're gonna take a quick break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. What if you could visualize your building in a couple of clicks, remove months from the design process, or create a bridge between stakeholders to solve problems before they even come up? Our friends at Twinmotion offer simple, real-time visualization for architects. Their technology lets you view and edit your scene on the go in the same pixel-perfect quality as the final rendering. Twinmotion seamlessly integrates with other tools like SketchUp and Revit, transforming your BIM or CAD models into high-quality images, panoramas, VR videos, or presentations. Sound complicated? Well, what if I told you that Twinmotion enables anyone to present the biggest ideas in the easiest way possible, regardless of previous CG experience? To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link spaces. That's twinmotion.link spaces. Section Cut by Monograph Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operations leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, Monograph is building the only cloud-based practice operations software built exclusively for architects by architects. Monograph's easy-to-use and beautifully designed software allows you and your team to know, in near real-time, whether you are on pace to deliver a project on budget. With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, role assignments, and team members all in one place. The best part of Monograph? It doesn't require a degree in finance to use. To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at monograph.com. And to underscore their commitment, on August 12th, Monograph will be hosting their first ever virtual conference. It's called Section Cut. This one-day event brings firm owners, operations leaders, and project leaders together to learn from success stories and workshops, all with the goal of improving their business. Reserve a seat at Section Cut today by visiting sectioncut.com. Do you have an example of maybe how you're seeing that evolution of uh, the customer's expectations directly impacting the roofing side is there something that comes to mind that how they 
how their expectations are, are thrown completely out of sync with what normal uh, process is? Well, I think, um, I, I don't know if it's out of sync, but I think one of the things, you know, back, back in the day, it was, you know, you needed a phone, you needed a fax, and now you need the internet connection, you need a website, now you need chat, you need chat that's active sometimes, you know, soon we're going to need chat that's you know on most of the time. And then, you know, you get messages from all sorts of places, Facebook, uh, Instagram, social, uh, on, on LinkedIn and stuff like that. And those need to be answered, right? Like our, our team needs to be on those things because everyone has a preference on how they like to communicate. So being able to get back to people in a way that they want, like if they email, email them back. If they call, call them back. If they message you on Instagram, try to message them on Instagram back, right? Like, yeah. I think that's the kind of communication. If like, it's hard because everyone's like, I can't <laughs> be on everywhere. But I think it, the attempt is to try, try to make that effort. Even if you can't do the whole thing, try to try to build relationship, just go where people are, go where people are comfortable and then use that as a starting point. And that also gives you some indication on what their expectations are. If it's email, hey, maybe they can wait a day or two and you know maybe the standard is okay but if they're on chat they're on chat because they saw the, the phone number they couldn't get through they're trying to do the chat like you you gotta you gotta prioritize those so we can't be everywhere but it just gives us clues on how people like to communicate and and what their expectations are yeah now before we move on one last uh thing that i i had for you on, on the roofing side is there one thing that comes to mind that you would want to pass on to people when they're considering their next roofing project? Um, maybe besides the, the testing, the field testing, the products, uh, is there something else that people should keep in mind as they approach, you know, picking a roofing product or how they design their roof? I think for, for a roofing contractor, I think everyone, uh, many people have lawyers, Many people have accountants and they view those individuals as trusted advisors. And a lot of times what I see is uh, not the same standard and care uh, used to select a roofing contractor. And I, I think if you apply that diligence, because you know a roof, uh, if you don't have one, will basically wreck uh, you know, so much of your investment and in your worth, whether it's a commercial building or a residential. So if someone comes, you know, and say, have a deal, not to kind of jump on that and say, hey, do your homework. Are they licensed? Are they this? Are they that? Are they going to be able to come back? Are they traveling through? Are they more regionalized? Or, you know, what 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 are the options, right? So I think if you apply the same care, like if you're going in for surgery, You'd want to do your homework and you will do your homework. So just not to kind of like take that, you know, take that opportunity to apply that same standard for a roofing uh, contractor. They're your partner. Uh, you may not see them as often as your lawyer or accountant, but certainly um, they're there to protect your most uh, valuable investments. So that's a great point. And what people sort of neglect to realize uh, at times is, Water is the biggest enemy to buildings, and the roof is the first defender 
to that <laughs> to the uh, getting that water away from the building. So it's important to have someone that understands how to put that together and shed that water appropriately and not have areas of infiltration that are going to come through. So Tats, you mentioned a few minutes ago about podcasting, and I wanted to to touch on that because you also have, I think two, maybe three uh, different forms that you're doing. You have like a Tats Live that you do on YouTube, then you have the specified podcast, correct? What else are you doing? And, and tell me a little bit about this. Well, I mean, you know, it's 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 really busy running a company. So those, those two things. So I think um, what I settled on was uh, I doing a LinkedIn Live to interview roofers to understand their story. I think one of the things about the roofing industry is it, it has, you know, in, in outside the roofing industry, sometimes a bit of a stigma in terms of, hey, you know, people that don't make it somewhere else go to the roofing industry, not for not for everyone, but for some, but definitely people within the roofing industry feel that. Um, and it, maybe that's a little bit more of the past and we're, we're moving through that. But uh, I wanted to do something that um, helped roofers get their story out. Like they're a contractor. Some of them build software, uh, you know, platforms. They, they have very cool hobbies or interests or well-read. And, you know, just sort of celebrate the, the diversity of, of individual and thought that is within the, the roofing industry. Just not just for learning for me and relationship building, but just also to kind of help um, the industry as a whole collaborate uh, better. So that's the live side. And then for the uh, specified podcast, you know, it's, it's for my learning. Like the material side, the construction side, the coding side is ever so complicated. You see, I'm not a codings person. I'm not a, you know, I don't have a chemistry background. You know, I don't have a construction background. And, and, and the thing is, it was for an avenue for me to learn all the different aspects. And this, this is why I had you on the show uh, of construction and building just so that I can do a better job within our company. And also for me to, to make a positive impact in some way. And I, I felt that that started from education and just educating myself with the smartest people that I could connect with and then just really expand uh, my knowledge there. So that was the concept and my fun that I get out of doing that. Great. How can people uh, follow along with you, find out more about Casagra? Uh, where, where can they follow you? Yeah, I mean, we, I, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, um, Instagram as well. Um, so, you know, feel free to follow along or you can, fi- you can find us on LinkedIn very active. So, I mean, we're, we're open. If uh, you, you guys uh, or anyone wants to learn more about what we're doing, that's cool. If you want to see some of the things that we've done that work for us, you know, happy to discuss or, or comment any, anything that we can add value. I, I think uh, we're, we're very open-minded to that. So let us know. So it's castagra.com. That's C-A-S-T-A-G-R-A.com. And uh, thank you so much, Tats. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for the invite. Thank you for listening. And we will talk again on Tuesday. Thanks. Thank you to Twin Motion for their support of this podcast episode. Don't forget to visit twinmotion.link 
slash spaces today and try Twinmotion for free. Thank you to Monograph for their support of this podcast episode. To reserve a seat at their first ever interactive virtual conference, visit sectioncut.com today. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.